creator, redeemer, sustainer. May I preach your word with integrity and humility this morning. Amen. Good morning, church. Today I'm going to begin my sermon with a little bit of cynicism, but I promise I won't be concluding it that way. So I invite you to stick with me. Firstly, I want to remind us all that most, if not all, of this sacred text this morning was written from a male perspective. These earliest writers, scribes, editors, and even early church fathers who made canonical decisions were all, well, men. I don't know about you, but one of the worst feelings is for someone to mansplain to me about childbirth. Friends, I'm sorry to say that the Gospels don't give us much by way of an authentic first-person view of this experience directly from Mary's perspective. Maybe the Magnificat, which follows today's scriptures, but even that, I contend, is still likely produced by a male writer. We get a more tailored or edited, even artful version of the divine conception, I imagine. I'm sure many of you have heard sermons or studies on Mary's position socially at her time, an unmarried pregnant woman who would have had little to no social standing. She may have even been stoned to death for it. Luke's retelling of this divine moment of conception is so masked with patriarchy, it's almost difficult for me to fully take in. In some ways, the artful version before us makes me think of those Facebook posts of new moms after they just had a baby, the ones where you can tell that their hair is done up and their makeup's done and they take a photo. and It's like what just happened, this whole thing, i.e. giving birth, isn't what it actually is. In my opinion, childbirth is far more messy, challenging, emotional, and maybe even liberating than we see here. But setting aside patriarchy for a moment, I do still find the conception story that we heard this morning riveting. And here's why. That the God of the universe came down and became a helpless baby inside Mary's womb. The word encased within her body. And Mary, oh Mary, she, according to Luke, accepts her task of carrying the Holy Child with immense grace and faith. A woman got this faith thing right. And there is power in her story. Even the patriarchy makes her out to be nothing short of a saint, holy in her own right, which holds true for us theologically today. But having been through childbirth a few years back, there is something about the character of Mary that leaves me wondering and wanting to know more about her humanity in this whole mind-blowing situation. To which she consents and makes a free choice to choose God. She responds with, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. What fears, challenges, struggles, and difficulties did she face? Did she experience morning sickness, food cravings, hormonal ups and downs? What risks did she face carrying a child to term in the ancient world as such a young person? After all, this is a time of year when we recall and remember the incarnation, that is, the humanity 
of our Lord and Savior being born as a helpless baby. I contend today, friends, that there is something remarkable about Mary's humanity, too. This woman, Mary, runs to Elizabeth, her cousin, after the Annunciation from the angel Gabriel, and she says, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Friends, this is a response of joy in her own saying, yes to God's calling. Now this year, many of us saw an outstanding film, and that film was called Barbie. I couldn't stop thinking about this film while reflecting on Mary, so I had to share some of my reflections with you this morning. For those who haven't seen it, it's a satirical film in which Barbie, the doll, played by Margot Robbie, has reason to travel from Barbie land to the real world, our world. She comes to find out that it isn't a liberated world where women can do anything like Barbie land, quite the opposite, including verbal assault, sexualization, attempts to rebox her, literally, and many tears. Eventually, toward the end of the film, one of the leading female characters, played by America Ferreira, proposes ordinary Barbie to the CEO of Mattel, the company in charge of the famous doll. She says, quote, why don't we make ordinary Barbie? She's not extraordinary. She's not president of anything, and maybe she is. Maybe she's a mom, or maybe she's not, because it's okay to just want to be a mom or to just want to be president, or maybe both. She has a flattering top and wants to get through the day feeling kind of good about herself. It was a film about being a woman in this world, the real world, how it can feel a little bit like an endless cycle of, well, patriarchy. How many days, I wonder, did Mary sigh at the end of her day just wanting to be ordinary and feeling kind of okay about herself? Obviously, nothing about Mary was ordinary. Being the mother of God makes her distinctly extraordinary, but perhaps for the ordinary ones of us, there is something relatable with the bits that were just ordinary. The bits of the story that we have to speculate a little bit about, the bits where we don't actually see um, details in the scriptures, you know, the hay from the stable and the amniotic fluid from Mary's womb all mixed together. What a messy birth that would have been. In 2016, I preached during Advent while I was pregnant. There was this sort of otherworldly experience to be creating life within my own womb while I read the scriptures of Mary and Elizabeth, doing the same types of things that I was. You know, things like the ordinary things, like naming their offspring and celebrating with others, battling any stigma, and beginning to build a life and a home for their families all while depending on God throughout the process. All that to say, Mary's representation as a woman within our faith has been intensely important to me. In my opinion, the most moving part of this Barbie film is the final conversation between the creator of Barbie, her name is Ruth, and Barbie herself. It's the point of the film where we as viewers don't yet know what Barbie's ending will be. Will she end up marrying Ken? Will she 
get a high-powered job? What is sort of the redemptive end to her story? What is it that she really wants? It's a moment where all the angst of being a woman in the real world comes to this final climax, and that final climax is about being human, about becoming human. In fact, Barbie says, quote, I want to be the one who helps make meaning, not the idea. You know what I mean? I want to do the imagining. I don't want to be the idea. End quote. Friends, I think every young woman comes to a point in her life when she realizes that she wants to do the imagining instead of simply being the idea. She comes to a point where she wants to a seat at the table and for her voice to be heard. And while every woman's experience of that time in her life is different, I'm optimistic that many of us here can relate to this journey of coming into ourselves. Eventually, Barbie asked the creator of the doll, Ruth, if she has the permission to become human. And the response is compelling. Quote, you don't need my or anyone's permission. Barbie responds with, so human is just something I am? It's not something I need to ask for or even want. It's just something I discover I am. The whole crux of the film hangs on this exchange. That being a woman or a man or non-binary, it doesn't really matter. What we all want is to be fully human. For the world around us to know that we are human and treat us as fellow humans on this journey of life. And being human is, friends, messy and difficult. And sometimes we dehumanize ourselves and each other. We make things up, like patriarchy and gender constructions and satire comedy, just to deal with how uncomfortably, uncomfortable being a human being really is. And yet, we are still just people. Something about Barbie's choosing to become human, even though she knows the pain, suffering, and eventual death it will include, is at its very core what the holiday is about. It's incarnational. In the same way, Christ chooses to take on all that makes us human, pain, suffering, and eventual death. And what Christ offers is the fact that we are enough. Just as we are, pain, suffering, and inevitable death included. We all know that Mary is the great mother, the holy mother. I heard recently one pastor suggest that perhaps mama was both Jesus' first and last words. And one final line from the Barbie film helps me put this into perspective when Ruth says, quote, us mothers stand still so our daughters can see how far they've come. One more time. Us mothers stand still so our daughters can see how far they've come. It's something I innately know and hope in my bones for my own daughter. That I can stand here and she can move forward to new horizons and fully herself. I look at Mary, the mother of Jesus, who stands still in a way on these pages in the scriptures and shows me how far we've come. I can stand up here this morning and preach a sermon about hay and amniotic fluid all mixed together at the miraculous birth of our Savior. So I know this morning is Advent 4, 
But it just so happens, as you know, to also be Christmas Eve. And I hope and pray that whatever your plans are for this Christmas, that you will cherish all that it means for us to be human. All that it means for Christ to be human. And all that it means for Mary to be human. I'll close this morning with the words of my professor, Dr. Kate Bowling. God, we are waiting for love. Not the simple kind or the sweep-you-off-your-feet kind, but the absurd kind. The kind wrapped in rags, resting in a bucket of animal feed. Love enough to save us all. Blessed are we who look for love deeper, fuller, truer than we have ever known, than we could ever have hoped for. Blessed are we who seek you, the light that dawned so long ago in the dark stable. Love given, love received. Receive this gift, dear one. Love has come for you.